What is the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error? And what does love have to do with it? Let's talk about that today on The Midweek Move. Hello and welcome to the Minute Move podcast extension of The Healing Places, the podcast where we examine scriptures line by line, verse by verse, and ask ourselves, what is happening here? And today, ladies and gentlemen, I'm excited because joining us after a four-week hiatus <laughs> is our lead pastor, Scott Etheridge. How are you doing, sir? Hey, I promise you, I'm alive. He's alive. He's still here. He's alive. I was trying to pinpoint, like, because I remember there was one episode where you were like, I probably won't be back after this. I'm like, I think that's when you took your break. <laughs> we had Carlos. People were like, what happened? What happened? What happened? No, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm excited to be back in the, kind of in the groove of the midweek move. And uh, today we've got a, I think we have a really cool chapter mm-hmm. uh, because there's so many, um, not twists and turns, but there's a lot of things that, that seem to be going quote unquote off topic. Mm-hmm. But I love, um, no pun intended. I love John's heart and just uh, in all the letters of John, it always comes back to that love, right. love, love, love is the source of all of it. Like right. Love is the, the root of all of it. It's the foundation of all of it. And so even when he's really talking about some difficult, hard things, mm-hmm. which again, I, I don't know, I get it, our current culture, but I think we need to learn how to not miss and not lose the foundational principles in the hard stuff, thinking that it's taking us away from that when it's really rooted in that. Mm-hmm. And um, so today I think we're just in for a treat. We're going to talk about um, maybe a, di- a little different mindset of the Antichrist. A little bit. Uh, because we won't be talking about <laughs> the Antichrist, but right. a whole other level of Antichrist. Exactly. And I think when you say that, people are like, oh, the Antichrist, who's it going to be? Yeah. And that's not what John is talking about. Yeah. We're, um, not, we're not getting into eschatology necessarily and end times and Mark of the Beast and, uh, you know, Megato. Although or, all that's very real. It is. All that's been written, all that's been put down. But um, I think that... Um, there's a diminishing aspect of that terminology antichrist because it's been ascribed to a person mm-hmm. rather than a spirit. Right. And today John deals with the spirit. And once I think we, we understand that, mm-hmm. I think we really don't have an issue with the antichrist mm-hmm. because ultimately it, not that it doesn't matter to us, but it really doesn't matter who that is. Right. Our, our desire, our purpose the plan of God for our life is not to know the Antichrist, mm-hmm. but to know the Christ. Exactly. And when you know the Christ, then everything else falls in line. Exactly. Exactly. Well, let's jump into it because I, like you, I'm excited about to getting into this uh, chapter. If you do me a favor, though, Pastor, be- before you start with verse one, if you could rewind the track to verse 24 of First John 3, because again, this is a narrative. This isn't like John needs to go chapter four. These things ran together and 24 really has a lot to say or has a lot of, of weight on the first first uh, couple of verses of this chapter. Okay, so you want me to rewind the track. Yeah, it's okay. like 24 and so then read through right. verse 2. 
<laughs> now somebody's gonna go play that back play that back oh they were talking about the antichrist now he's talking no we got it now <laughs> we found them <laughs> welcome, oh, to the midweek move, ladies and welcome to the midweek move welcome to the healing place that's <laughs> yeah well listen we don't you know it's like uh we are we are very uh we are we are very much on target and focused on the things of the Lord and the things that are not of the Lord, but we also um, understand that that we don't we don't take ourselves too seriously as right. if we are the <laughs> you know we're up in some tower somewhere and we know all we're all knowing and all this other stuff. It right. it just is is crazy. Just so, normal people. Yeah. So anyway, as, as, soon as, as soon as you said rewind, I was like, oh, I think I want to do this, but should I do this? I don't know that I, I should do this. I love not. that you did it. Uh, yeah. I always think of uh, Jim Carrey when he, when he was um, pretending to be mental uh-huh. and they had him in this mental hospital, right? He's pretending to be mental right. and they were going, and somebody said, no, he said, let's play that in reverse. And so he does Walk this whole backwards. thing. Yeah. And he was like, he was doing all the mannerisms of everything he had done first. I was like, man, that's number one. That's talent. Right. You know, it's like, so I wasn't that good. But anyway, we digress. Um, all right. First John three, verse 24. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Now, verse one of four. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone up into the world. And by this, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. All right, so John is, again, it, it, he starts talking about the spirit and understand the spirit of God, but then he's contrasting in here. He's warning the early church that there are those who claim to have Christ. Uh, to have the spirit of God in them, but they are deceived. Uh, the primary test here is that there is the confession that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Um, the, and this is a sticking point for some reason in the early church with these heretics. As it is in the current church. Exactly, exactly. There are many of these false prophets back then, and like you said today, that they have denied the fact that Jesus was uh, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, came in the flesh. This is a talking point that has been a point of contention since these early days. And so my question for you, Pastor, why is it so important that we hold to this truth that Jesus was not just fully divine, but fully man at the same time? Yeah, well, I think number one is the the prophecies that were were prophesied hundreds of years before, and even going all the way back to the account in Genesis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so without the fulfillment of that prophecy, then those prophecies are irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And if you can take any of those out, then you can bring question to the, vali- you can bring question to the validity of Jesus as the son of God. Mm-hmm. Again, there are many, many people who have no problem with him being prophet, rabbi, teacher, which is what he was. Right. I mean, a lot of times we kind of throw these things out, but that wasn't necessarily supernatural. He was known as a rabbi. He had done the schooling. He was recognized as a rabbi. Mm-hmm. The disciples, when he called them on, uh, from the boat, from fishing, 
They didn't recognize him as savior, mm-hmm. nor did they recognize him as quote unquote Lord. Now they would, they would look to a lot of people as Lord, meaning a leader or a ruler or, or a king. But when they looked at Jesus, they said, rabbi, mm. they recognized him as a teacher, but it wasn't until later that they realized he's not just a rabbi. He's not just a teacher. Mm-hmm. He is the coming one. He is the Messiah, right? He is Yeshua, right? right? He is Messiah. And so the importance of that is, is that Jesus as the son of God, all of this ties in because he came fully God, fully man. In order to do that, he has to be born of a virgin. Mm -hmm. That's another key part of it. He has to live a sinless life, like all of these things. And then when he goes to the cross, he's not going to the cross as a common criminal or someone who's even been falsely accused just going to the cross. He goes as the son of God. Right. And when he's dead and he's buried and he's resurrected, like all of those things were prophesied ahead of time. And if God did not send his son, if God did not send his only begotten son, then there is no redemption. There is no true redemption for sin. We're still bringing doves and you know, we're still looking for a lamb. We're still looking for some type of sacrifice right. when the perfect spotless lamb of God has come in the flesh. And again, John has been dealing with all this about deceptions, about the truth, about not loving the world, the outworking of love. These have come in his name, but they're not of him. Here's how you know. And and he even says it, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And that, sadly, is a contention within the church world today mm. of whether Jesus came in the flesh as the Son of God, fully God, fully man. Right. And once that becomes in question, and once your theology begins to bend around that mm-hmm. and formulate around that, that's when you go from a solid rock to sand. Mm. There is no foundation there. Right. Because if he's not, that that's just like um, for years and years and years, it was, hey, there's no there's no physical proof that there was David. Mm. Well, why is that such a big deal? Well, if there was no David, then Jesus said he was the son of David. Right. So there's no lineage there. Now we can now we can diminish Christ and now we can say he's not the Messiah mm-hmm. until they found out, oh, there was a David. Here's the evidence. Here's the physical evidence. Right. And now as the city of David is being uncovered over and over and over again, more and more and more in <laughs> Jerusalem. Excuse me. Sorry. Now there's not just a little bit of evidence, but now there is full on physical evidence that there was King David. And now that points to the son of David. I mean, right. it all it all works together. I don't know that there's just one full explanation for, okay, why is this so important? Mm-hmm. I think it connects with so many other things. <laughs> well, and you, you've, you've kind of hit it there. The Our foundation is based on the idea that um, Jesus, the Messiah, was fully divine, fully man. And once we remove that aspect that he, that God himself, Put, put to aside his humanity or his divinity, became flesh, lived a life, sinless life for us, taking on the atonement for us as a as a the spotless lamb, the one who who lived who's fulfilled the law perfectly, perfectly, yet sacrificed himself to take the wrath of God. We can't have salvation. We can't have 
have that experience of being in relationship with God if that is removed from the, the thing. At the same time, like we said, Jesus was not just a person. No human being could fulfill the law perfectly. It took divine intervention. It took the divine coming to earth and doing that for us. And so again, we remove that. The foundation of our faith is rocked and changed. We go from being a, a, um, a faith that's based around divine grace to really, I mean, no more than div- good works. Yeah, well, you remove the divinity of Jesus, and then it also opens the door that there are many different ways. Mm-hmm. And that way, if there's many different ways, there can be many different people, which brings deceivers to the forefront. Because now it's there's no divinity ascribed to a singular individual. Right. He's not Messiah. So I'm the new Messiah, or I'm the new prophet, or I'm the new whatever. And we've seen that throughout the thousands of years. Oh, yeah. We've always seen those rise up, and every single one of them rises up. They, they try to diminish or erase the divinity of Jesus, yeah. almost every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Not that they don't recognize him. Mm-hmm. They'll recognize him up to a point. Right. But once they ascribe divinity to him, then that strips them of their own deceptive power. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, verse three, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Okay. So we're told that anyone... Failing to confess this, that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, is operating under the spirit of the Antichrist. But what does this mean? What is the the spirit of the Antichrist? That seems like a very strange, paranormal phraseology. You know, I'm thinking of movies like The Omega Code or something like that, where there's some dark cloud that suddenly takes up somebody. What is the spirit of the Antichrist supposed to be? Well, I think we could get it really, really complicated, mm-hmm. but I think it really is said in the word itself, mm-hmm. anti-Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and even when he says anti-Christ deceivers will come, anti-Christ deceivers, what are they? Well, they are, they're not, they're not diminishing or erasing God, mm-hmm. but they are anti-Christ, mm-hmm. anti-Jesus, trying to diminish Jesus. Well, why would they do that? Because there is no other name there is no other name by which you must be saved mm-hmm. except the name of Jesus Christ. Right. There is no other one. He is the door. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Mm-hmm. He is the bread from heaven. He is the seed. Right. He's the first fruit. He's all of those things. And so when you talk about the spirit of Antichrist, we think Antichrist, and immediately we think of the person, mm-hmm. right? Like we said. But there is a spirit at work that is an antichrist spirit. We mm-hmm. see it throughout the word of God. Mm-hmm. Jezebel had an antichrist spirit, quote right. unquote. Now Christ hasn't come, but she had that spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, you could look at even Ahab. Ahab may not, he may have been a passive uh, follower of his wife, but at the same time it was anti because he was trying to get rid of the prophet of God. He was trying to rid the land of the prophet of God who was declaring the promises of God, the declaration of God, the will of God. Um, and so even in, even in um, you can go to the, the, the woman who was following Paul mm. and, uh, and, and, 
ushered them into the city and said, men of God have come and they have, everything she was saying was true. Right. And she continued to say it on and on and on. And I think it was what, three days. Right. She's just confessing this stuff. It was all true. But Paul recognizes there was a spirit behind it. Mm-hmm. And although everything she was saying was true, there was a spirit of antichrist in her. Mm-hmm. And what did Paul do? He rebukes her and then he cast the demon out of her. Right. What she was saying was true. Mm-hmm. Yet there was a spirit behind it, and he took spiritual authority mm-hmm. to cast out that spirit. So when we're talking about the spirit of Antichrist, it's not just somebody being a bad person. Right. It's not just somebody doing a bad thing. There's a spirit behind it. They can actually be saying things that are true. Right. You can go to the wilderness, and what the enemy was quoting to Jesus, he was quoting the word back to Jesus. Number one, it was a false narrative. It was taken out of context. But number mm-hmm. two... It was the spirit behind it mm-hmm. was to trick Jesus. Right. So when you talk about Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes, and they would ask Jesus a question, they weren't learning an answer. Right? They didn't want the answer. They didn't want the truth. They were trying to trick him. There was a spirit behind it. Would you say, and this is this is this isn't in our notes or anything like that. Just a question that kind of popped in mind. You and I have seen individuals who have gone out, and they, in a very prideful manner, have gotten into argumentation with individuals specifically for uh, for lack of better terms, for the clicks and views. They have purposely stirred up trouble in churches and in organizations. And they're saying the truth. And like, well, I'm just saying, I'm just saying what God says. But the motivation is not to edify. The motivation is not to encourage people. It's not to see people who actually get saved. But there's a pride that's in them. Yep. Is that a spirit of Antichrist? Or a type of spirit of Antichrist? I would say it's a type. I don't know that when you say spirit of Antichrist, I mean, you're dealing with the demonic. Mm-hmm. Again, when you're dealing with the demonic, that's that's a whole other level <clears throat> of just a rebellious type spirit, mm-hmm. um, an ego, mm-hmm. a pride, an arrogance. Peter had arrogance mm-hmm. and pride. Uh, and although Jesus at one point says, Satan, get behind me, Jesus was talking about the spirit that was trying to get between him and Peter Mm -hmm. uh, and deceive Peter. Um, And so he never cast a demon out of Peter. Right. But he did rebuke him. And so to me, um, there would have to be a discerning there Mm -hmm. to see what is, okay, that's sinful. Right. That's just sinful behavior. Mm -hmm. You you are sinning. And you're not just sinning against man, you're sinning against God. Mm -hmm. But it isn't an antichrist spirit, right? So there is a difference between a person who possibly is out of maybe they're just prideful as individuals, they're working through some things, or perhaps just out of ignorance, and they're saying the truth, but they have ill motives. Versus somebody who is just flat out being demonically uh, trying to corrupt things. Yeah, and well, John even says it is that this antichrist spirit. Um, by this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Mm-hmm. So there can be somebody who has a rebellious, prideful, arrogant arrogant spirit about them, mm-hmm. which is probably more of their soul right. is, is driving everything, their right. ego, their personality is driving everything. Rather, And they can genuinely believe Jesus Christ, the Son of God, uh, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, mm-hmm. crucified, dead, buried, all those things but yet still function in a sinful pattern of behavior. Right. No different than any other sinful pattern of behavior. Although those people would try to make you think those two 
mm. things are different. Yeah. They would say their sinful behavior <clears throat> is sin. Mm. My sinful behavior is not because I'm telling you the truth. Mm. And that goes counter to the word of God. And these are people who tend to hammer on other people not believing the word of God. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know me, I could go on a real, <laughs> I mean, I could really go on a hardcore, I'm going to get in your face because I can't stand that spirit. I can't, mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, host any kind of antichrist spirit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to deal with that. I'm going to cast it out in Jesus name. There's mm-hmm. some demons that need to be cast out, but I don't do well around an arrogant, prideful, um, I'm better than you. I'm, th- I'm, I'm 13th floor yeah. and you're janitor in theology. I don't deal well with that because a lot of those people and they do, they have channels, they have followings, and then they'll rebuke somebody else for having a channel right. and having a following. And they'll, they'll, they'll rebuke somebody else for monetizing yet they're monetizing and they'll come on and they'll make jokes and I'm just telling you, some of that stuff is unwholesome speech. Mm-hmm. They may not be cussing, but it's unwholesome speech. Mm-hmm. These dudes that are getting drunk and doing theology and Bible and saying they're the ones and they got all the answers, I'm just telling you, that's sinful. Yeah, I just want to say it. Whoever's watching this, it's sinful. It's sin. Mm-hmm. It's not the Antichrist spirit, but it is sin. Right. And it needs to be called out. Yeah. I think in the key word here is discerning, and that's what... John is saying, hey, discern, we have to discern these things because there are some people that they have such a fear of the concept of the Antichrist. They're looking for the devil in every bush, and it's not. He's not there. Sometimes it's just people being stupid. Yeah, right. And we have to, there's grace for that, and then there's there's not grace for some places, obviously. But that's the key word here. That's what I think John's pointing out. He's like, look, this is how we discern these things. This is how we walk through this together because there's some, there is a demonic presence called the Antichrist. Yep. That does, and he says it's here. It's our back then already, two thousand plus years ago. It was in operation. And the sad thing is, is that in many of these letters that are written to believers, that it didn't start with an antichrist spirit. It started by not discerning sinful behavior patterns. Mm-hmm. How many times does John? How many times does Peter? How many times does Paul say, "Listen, you're kind of going back to your old ways." Mm. Like you say you love Jesus, but why are you making that such a big deal? Mm -hmm. Why is what you eat such a major deal? Why are you now going back to your idols? Mm. Why are you now going back to this in your worship? Right. And he's not saying you're antichrist deceivers. He's saying that slowly you've lost that discerning spirit. Mm -hmm. And we know, of course, of Paul and Peter and John, they all go back to Jesus. Right. They all go back to the foundation in Christ and him crucified. They all go back to the basics, which is Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, uh, came and fl- took on the form of man, lived a sinless life, born of a virgin, all those things, they always bring them back to that mm-hmm. because they all understand that as that the longer you let those smaller things not be discernible, mm-hmm. the bigger it gets, the more hardened your heart gets, and then it can lead to the spirit of Antichrist. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know a lot of people who are just fully functioning in the spirit of Antichrist that weren't some type of believer before. Mm. Yeah. There's a there's a huge number, and there's a there's a whole culture right now that's actually leading people and it has certain terminology, but I won't say that terminology just because I don't want to 
lend credence to it, but it's basically you break down your belief system mm-hmm. and you break it down to such a thing that you quote unquote start over. Well, what ends up happening almost all the time is you're starting to create now your religion and your belief system from the mind of man or the heart of man mm-hmm. rather than the true gospel. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Verse four, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world. Speaking of the Antichrist deceivers, therefore they speak as of the world and the world hears them. We are of God and he who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. And by this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So again, once again, John takes on kind of the fatherly role that he's been doing throughout the entirety of this chapter. And he assures the readers that they've already overcome these individuals. They've already overcome this, the spirit of antichrist. And it's through that discernment that they've had about something's not right here. Now he goes on to contrast though the behavior of those who are of God and those who are not in this passage. So my question for you is again, there's false prophets who are claiming to be Christ or to be of Christ. And we live in a day and age where many are falsely claiming to be of Christ and leading people astray. And we've, we've talked about that already a little yeah. bit here. Um, many of these bad actors are using the very words of John. They're using the very words of Peter. Some of them are using the very words of Jesus and twisting it and adding. I'm going to get on. A, I was about to go on a rant about it. They're <laughs> sorry. I, get, I have a thing about that, but they're twisting these things. And they're deceiving people. In a practical way, how can we ensure that those that we allow to speak into our lives, be it through a podcast, be it through personal relationship, be it through books and all these other things, are truly representing Christ accurately? Well, number one, you have to do due diligence if it's podcast, YouTube, a book, and you don't know that person. Mm -hmm. You have to do due diligence. You can't just click on it and just, take it for what it is. That was a old saying, you know, I just, you know, I eat the meat and spit out the bones. You can choke on a bone. You can die. <laughs> That's true. Like That's true. you can die. The smallest of a bone of a fish, if mm-hmm. it gets caught in the right place, you're done. Yeah. And so I, I think that although that sounds good, mm-hmm. how discerning is that? Mm-hmm. You know, I, and we can't know everybody. And we can't just take somebody's recommendation. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, so-and-so recommends this book. Man, like if I give you a book, normally I will say, hey, this isn't dot, 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 dot. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying everything in here. This is not the Bible, right? Right. So I think last time I gave Celeste a book, I was like, hey, this isn't a, you know, this isn't a, I don't know a ton about the author. Right. I just know there was a recommendation. I've, I've kind of read through it a little bit. It seems very interesting. Mm-hmm. Seems like it may be in your stream, but this is not that, 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 that. And so when you know that going in, then you are aware if something doesn't smell right, if something mm-hmm. doesn't look right, if it doesn't sound right. You're like, mm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Right. And to me, it's no different than anything else. It's a television show, a movie, whatever. You go to something, and you already know going in, it's rated this or this, 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 or there's a possibility of this. But there has to be a disclaimer in you somewhere that says, if they go here, I'm out. Yeah. And I think that's that's a little bit of what's wrong with our faith culture. Uh, 
faith communities in 2023 is we don't have any lines mm. because we just think we can take in whatever and we'll be good because we love Jesus. And that's a lie. It's mm-hmm. just a lie of the enemy. Right. And there have to be, you have to have some non-negotiables mm-hmm. in what you take in. You have to be able to be discerning. Mm. Again, discerning. Discernment, discernment, discernment. Right. Not just in antichrist deceivers, but discernment in the small things. Right. Because it's, you know, as as the Old Testament says, the little foxes, mm-hmm. right, spoil. So how do you balance out with the personal relationships when you got people who, I mean, you've had mentors in your life that you've allowed to speak into your life, and but there are things you were like, mm, I just don't roll with that. Yeah. How do you walk that where they still have value, they still speak into your life, you still bring them in, but you have the you have a boundary. How do you walk that practically with them? Yeah, I think that's where you you major in the absolutes mm. and you minor in the opinions. Mm-hmm. So if it's a doctrinal thing, if it's a, hey, I don't believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. I love you, but you're not going to speak right theology into my life. Yeah, if it's salvific theology yeah, is what you it's mean. Like, it's like, no, no, I, I love you, mm-hmm. but we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. If it's if it's something that is more of a nuance um, or an opinion, mm-hmm. and it's stated that way, it's not stated as this is an absolute. Right. There are a lot of people out there that are going, oh, this is, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a more of a nuanced way of thinking about a theological issue. It's not biblical theology. Mm-hmm. And so, again, that discernment of what that is and the spirit behind it. Mm. You can get, go back to that whole conversation of discerning the spirit. It really does. It goes back to that because somebody can bring something to you and they just don't know mm-hmm. or they were taught improperly or something, and then they go, hey, I, I think maybe there's this thing inside of them that you go, okay, that's a humble spirit right mm-hmm. there. Like, okay, we can talk through this, but if, but then you sense that prideful, arrogant, and I think it's modeled by Jesus for mm-hmm. us with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and scribes. Sometimes he has a conversation, sometimes he doesn't. Um, and, and sometimes he really just drops the mic on them. Like mm-hmm. he says one thing and it's like everybody's silent. Nobody knows what to do and he's out. Yeah. And it's the spirit, the spirit behind it. Mm-hmm. And what spirit are you bringing that? Yeah. What's the motivation of your heart? That's good. That's good. Which that's for all of us. That's not just for, sometimes you get in a conversation like this and all of a sudden it becomes, oh, he's talking about them and then us. No, no, no. And what we have to understand is that's all of us. Mm-hmm. I can I can do something that's good but I can have an improper motivation for that. Mm-hmm. And quite honestly, I will be judged for that. Yeah. The motivation of my heart. Mm-hmm. And then the fruit of that good work for me, if my, if my motives were impure, it will be vanity. Mm-hmm. It will be in vain for the person. God will bless it because it was a good work and it was done in his name. But the motivation of my heart will come back to me. And that's for all of us. Yeah. That, that's for all of us. Absolutely. All right, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And I know we're going to read probably the rest of these verses, but this is super important because I think that uh, sometimes we're so geared toward, hey, we get, you know, loving, loving your neighbor and loving, your, loving the lost and, and all that. And then we get mad at the people in the faith community 
because they're not living up to our expectation. Mm. We're so many times in the word when he says love one another, he's not talking about unbelievers. He's talking about believers. Right. Love one another. Forgive one another. Mm. He's talking about amongst believers. I think the 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 maybe the least amount of grace and mercy that we have is for other believers. I'm, yeah. I'm, <laughs> that's one of those things that I've, I've looked at, unfortunately, at, at the Christian culture. And we've talked about this before. If we treated half the pastors we've seen on television that have had problems, are we treated David the way we treated those individuals? David would never have been the man after God's own heart in the Bible. That's right. He would have been wiped out, erased him from the website. Canceled. Never been there. And he never preached a sermon. He never sung a song. Anything that he wrote, it's tainted. We got to ignore it from mass this point forward. That's right. And it's again, to the unrepentant, there's a problem, but they repent if they're sincere we need to have grace for that. And we need to have grace to allow them to do that. Yeah. I think that so often in Christian culture, we have a problem of going, you've hurt me. I don't want to be hurt again. So I'm just going to keep you at arm's length at all time. And there is a level of where trust has to be re-earned, but you have to give opportunity for that individual. That's right. That's right. Let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And in this, the love of God was manifested towards us. I love this verse. Mm. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. And again, he's going right back to it. Jesus came in the flesh. Mm. Like he's going right back to it. <laughs> in this is love. Not that we love God. Again, taking it away from yourself but that he loved us and sent his son to be the perpetuation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And he's speaking to believers. Right. I love the fact that John, he, like you said, he just keeps coming back to this in chapter two, the conversation about loving each other was a test was, was, was a sign that we were actually in Christ, that we were followers of Jesus. And he, he returns here. And the implication is that, because God loved us before we loved him, we too should be loving towards other people. Mm-hmm. So my question for you is, what, in a practical sense, what does it look like to love others in the same manner that God has loved us? I think that can take on many forms. You know, forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, there, there are a lot of different things that that Jesus taught of how to love. Sometimes that can be... Uh, just an act of kindness, Mm -hmm. but not just an act of kindness, but an act of kindness in his name. Mm. Uh, Cup of cold water versus a cup of cold water in his name. Right. Right. Cup of cold water takes care of an immediate need right then. But as far as eternal value, that only comes through Jesus name. Mm. Um, Again, I think forgiveness is huge. Yeah. It's, it's No strings attached forgiveness mm-hmm. in a situation that would be impossible for you to do in your own strength mm-hmm. is one of the most visible visible signs of the love of God mm. that you can express to someone else. And I say that out of experience. I say that out of not wanting to forgive. Mm-hmm. I say that out of wanting to be bitter. And I know that sounds bad, but... You may not say that out loud, mm-hmm. but if you're harboring that and keeping that in, you're saying, I want to be bitter. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah. That's a hard truth. I think people, they, they want to bypass that. 
they, they talk about, you know, I forgive them and everything, but they don't let that go. And it becomes almost an identity for them. This identity of I'm bitter at this person because X, Y, Z. Instead of going, I'm moving past this. I'm going to grow and become who God's called me to be. They become, well, that person hurt me. And it becomes their, their mantra. Like it almost becomes idolatry. Yeah. You're, you've made that person a focus mm. of some type of ungodly affection. Yeah. Now that sounds crazy that bitterness can be an affection, but affection is what you set your heart on. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as quote unquote love. Right. You set your heart on that. If you have a person in your context and you set your heart on them mm. because they hurt you, you've made them an object of worship. Mm. And and that sounds crazy, mm-hmm. but that's a, that's the reality of it. Yeah. Is that you have you have set your heart to feel a certain way about that person. Mm-hmm. So that every time that person is mentioned, every time you think about that person, those feelings come up, you affirm those feelings. You give those feelings credence, mm. you give them power and you give them authority. Yeah. And those feelings then begin to drive your decision making. Mm. And once that happens, it sets a very dangerous path. Yeah. But you're literally setting your affection on that person and not the Lord. Yeah. If you set your affection on the Lord, we talked about this on campus and online, with your all, mm. you know, if you set your affection, you position yourself and you set your affection on him, then all these other things, like they become minors mm-hmm. and that's the major and when you set your affection on him and you set your heart on him and you set your mind on him and you set your everything on him, yeah. then what comes out of you looks more like him than it does like you. Absolutely. It sounds simple, but it really is. Mm-hmm. That, I, that is the word of God encapsulated is that we set our hearts on him. And as we do that, what comes out of us looks more like him. Yeah. And therefore it looks like the love of God. Yeah. In verse nine says in this love of God was manifest towards us that God has sent his only son begotten son into the world that we might live through him. It was the love manifested was God going, I'm going to sacrifice something personal to me for your sake by getting rid of our, us holding on to this bitterness and releasing that, forgiving somebody, that's sacrificing some stuff. Yep. It's sacrificing our pride. It's sacrificing. And then what that does is that, that reflection is the reflection of the other individual going, is this what God's grace is like? I'm sacrificing my pride so that somebody else can go know that God still loves them. Yeah, I've given up my right to be offended. Right. Because we love to stand on that mountain. Mm. I have a right to be offended. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You do. Mm-hmm. Someone hurt you. Someone did something terrible to you. You have a right to be offended. But when you set your life and your affection upon Jesus, mm. you give up your rights to be offended. Exactly. Because you understand that he took on your offense first. Mm-hmm. He took on your sin. He took on your regrets. He took on your unforgiveness. He took on all of that upon himself first Mm. before you were ever offended, before you were ever had unforgiveness. Jesus took 
all of it upon himself first. And in that, now we can look at it and say, just as he had a right not to go to the cross, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Why? So that we could give up our rights to be offended and truly live free. Absolutely. And not just have the love of God, but be able to give the love of God to somebody else. Totally. Man. Well, guys, I want to hear from you. How has this encouraged you? Has it challenged you? We want to hear from you guys. Reach out to us, mediahub at tspreetreport.com. There's a lot of depth that we just went through here. And um, we want to pray with you. We want to genuinely walk you through your next step with God. Reach out to us again, mediahub at teachpatrue.com. Find us on Facebook. Just look for Midweek Move. Until next time, have a great week.